This is a Rooster Teeth production. Has it ever occurred to you that cruise ships have hidden morgues in the event of a fatality? All aboard for a new episode of 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. In 2009, 87-year-old Marion Schaefer and her son Bob embarked on a 114-night Holland-America Grand Voyage cruise around the world, which amounts to about three and a half months at sea, perfect for retirees and people with excess time on their hands. Around 4 p.m., Bob checked on his elderly mother in her cabin and found her to be napping. At 6 p.m., Bob checked on her again, but this time he found his mother cold to the touch. She had passed away. And according to records, Marion Schaefer was pronounced clinically dead by the ship's physician at 7.15 p.m., likely due to cardiac arrest. Bob dealt with the necessary paperwork and arranged for the cremation of his mother's body at a nearby port. What he did next may surprise some. Bob stayed aboard the ship for the remainder of the cruise, with the cremated remains of his mother in tow. Said Bob Schaefer, I know she would want me to go on. Well, our hearts will go on, today on 30 Morbid Minutes, because we are talking about death on the high seas, specifically death as it happens on cruise ships. Whew. Jess, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. I have been on a cruise. Real quick, did you just, was that a Titanic reference? Our hearts will go on. It absolutely was. That was for you. (laughs) That's all I'm going to be thinking about this entire time is Titanic. I just can't help it. I will be thinking but yes. of the new Celine Dion biopic in which a woman... <laughs> have you seen this? No, I haven't. Oh, well, we should do an episode about that because it's a lot. Anyway. I have been on a cruise. I've actually been on two. And I'm I'm personally not a fan of them. Have you been on a cruise? I haven't. And I hear good things, but now I'm second guessing. I think it might depend on which cruise you go on, um, which line, because I went on a particular line both times and um, I wouldn't do it again. I think if I maybe went on one that was like, no kids, more relaxing, maybe so. But my experience on this particular cruise line, it, it was kind of dirty, um, just just some weird stuff. I felt claustrophobic the entire time See, as well. That's how I would kind of feel, I think, after an extended period of time at sea is claustrophobic. Absolutely. And, you know, and I don't know why this bothered me, but anytime we had lunch or not lunch, a uh, dinner on the ship, I would always look at the food and be like, how did this food get here? Yes. And what did they prepare it in that kitchen on the boat? Like, how is I don't it know, preserved? Things. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nothing would feel fresh to me. No, which I think we might get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Do we? I, I yes. Think a little okay. bit. But yeah, a little bit. <laughs> freshness, freshness is definitely an element of this episode. Oh, for sure. So just, just all around. You're telling me that if if I said Jessica get on this boat that has a giant water slide on it, <laughs> three giant water slides, you wouldn't be excited. I think the I think if I had never been on a cruise before, I absolutely would be. But then when you are on the cruise and you see the entire water slide and the uh, kind of like water park of it all completely packed with bodies, um, it, you're just like, mm, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to go into that cesspool. Just me personally. I get that. <laughs> they are these massive floating cities. Yes. And a lot of the time, I mean, 
the the boats now are just bigger and better than ever. I'm like, how does that thing not sink? How do they make it run the way that they do? Where is every where's the sewage going? Where's all the it's just <laughs> I I don't want to It's not going somewhere nope. great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not for sure. Not for me. <laughs> But there are about 320 cruise ships in the world operated by more than 20 companies. If you add together the total capacity of all of these ships, that's over 500,000 guests at sea at any given time. And if you average maybe one week stay per cruise per person, you know, I don't know math, but you're looking at about 30 million people who go on cruises every year. Mm -hmm. The fact that half a million people are just away from their their homes and on the sea at any given time yeah. is pretty unusual. I think that if you told someone that was alive 200 years ago, they would blow their mind that this is the yeah. case. And also, have they not seen Titanic? <laughs> yeah. I, need to I need to drop this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a very Titanic-focused <laughs> podcast. And what I'm about to say will sound a little insensitive, but this is just the plain facts. Most sources estimate about 200 people die on cruise ships every year, which given the numbers Jess just gave you, isn't really a lot. Mm -hmm. Half a million people at sea at any time, 30 million people in a year. 200 is not a lot. It, it, mm -mm. It's insensitive, but it's, it's kind of statistically the truth. And if you keep mm -hmm. in mind that the actual number of deaths is likely higher than this, then, then yeah, it, it does give a little bit more weight to it. But that's due to the fact that not all cruise companies and countries share their death statistics, and they don't have to. There is no single government body or official organization that investigates and documents death and accidents on cruise ships. It's very interesting. Yeah. You could get away with quite a few things. Yes. It's, it's a lawless place, yeah. <laughs> you know, on the shuffleboard uh -huh. court. Yeah. At least there's no organization comparable to something like the FAA and the way that they regulate air travel and investigate plane crashes. Why is this, though? What? Why don't they? This is interesting. Yeah. Maybe. I have some thoughts. We definitely will have to do more episodes about seafaring tragedies because. I know of another podcast oh, that does that. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you do the math, that works out to be around three or four deaths a week. A group of researchers who studied passenger and crew member deaths between the years of 2000 and 2019 found that passengers were about nine times more likely to die than a crew member. And 87% of the deaths that occurred during this research window happened while the ship was at sea, while the other 13% occurred while the ship was docked. The Queen Mary II, which set sail, I think, in the 2000s, it had a tragic gangway collapse accident, and a bunch of people died before they had even boarded the ship. God, how shitty mm -hmm. is that? Yeah, you didn't even make it on the water slide. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, the high sea. Uh -huh. So fewer deaths happen when the ship is docked at ports and passengers are sightseeing. Most happen out on the water. Mm -hmm. So how do these unwitting passengers who just wanted a relaxing vacation end up meeting their untimely death? Here's the thing. It's not sexy. It's not salacious. It's not mysterious. Most deaths that occur on board cruise ships are from natural causes, meaning medical events like cardiac arrest or stroke. Yeah, much, much less nefarious than you might have expected. Mm -hmm. And I'm deeply sorry to disappoint any Agatha Christie fans, of whom I hope there are many that listen to this podcast. <laughs> I expect it. The average age of a cruise passenger is about 50 years old, and the majority of cruise goers are in the 50 to 79-year-old range. 
So a lot mm. of old people are taking cruises. That makes sense. But man, the cruises that I was on. I was going to ask. A lot of children. And, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots of children and families. Unless those were Benjamin Buttons. They were definitely old people. Were they Benjamin Buttons? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me think on that. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If, if grandma and grandpa are getting up there in years, they've probably confronted the reality that death could be right around the corner. And there's a distinctly morbid possibility that if they go on a cruise at 80, it could be their last vacation. Uh, this is a morbid that. podcast, and I'm sorry, but that's a very morbid truth. Especially if they're embarking on a three-month cruise like Marion Schaefer did. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, to some, it might seem like the ideal way to go. Which also, I didn't know that cruises can be months and months long. I knew that there were like one-month cruises, but three months out at sea, yeah. I feel like when you were to get... And of course, I know that they're stopping and you, you'd get off and everything. But three months at sea, after a while, I think back on land... You know how when you feel the waves after mm-hmm. you've been at the beach all day or something? I feel like, God, that would drive me crazy for weeks. Yeah, same. Of course, you know, tragically, there are also terminally ill people who plan for one last trip, sort of, you know, grand bon voyage, but don't necessarily make it back. Mm. And when people die on a cruise ship, there are procedures and processes that immediately go into effect. For example, it's important that the crew at large is alerted to the situation. Mm -hmm. There are two announcements that you probably won't hear too often on a cruise ship. But if you hear them, take note. One phrase you might hear over the PA is Operation Bright Star. If you hear this, it means that a severe medical emergency is happening. The second phrase you might hear perhaps even more rarely, is Operation Rising Star. This communicates to all crew on the ship that a passenger has died. Jess, did you hear any Operation Rising Stars while you were at sea? Maybe you thought it was just like a fun, cool thing. I thought they were talking about me. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Okay. No, they were... If they they were, I think... Well, I think probably... If they, they was probably two, a two meaning, a double meaning. It, it was that the fatality happened, but then they saw you and they went, wow, Operation Rising Star. <laughs> oh, man. She's going to have oh, a podcast Lord. someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know how they have those shows on the cruise ship? I always think, I'm just like, do y'all need just me to get, get on stage? I'll just get on oh, stage. God. Let me entertain y'all for a little bit. Can you imagine if when you walked up stage on karaoke night on the cruise ship and you heard Operation Rising Star come over the PA <laughs> and, a, and a bunch of crew, sh- crew members rush past you? <laughs> oh, man. It's funnier not knowing it because, yeah, you're just like, Operation Rising Stars. Is it me? Yeah. They're like running to their captain. Hey, we found one here on deck three, yeah, the karaoke room. There, there are tons of agents, Hollywood agents hidden on this cruise ship. Uh, actually, there's something else hidden on cruise ships, but it's not Hollywood agents, right? Yes, actually. So you're probably wondering what happens to the body while the ship is still at sea. Where and how is it stored? Well... Cruise ships have their own morgues on board. I did not know this, and it it makes sense, but I did not know this. Bodies can be stored in the morgue as needed, usually no more than three-ish days, but sometimes a week max. This is one of those things where unless you really think about it, it, it's never going to cross your mind that a cruise ship would need to have a morgue on board. Yeah, because I thought that if something were to happen, and I actually didn't even think about that, I knew that there were medical professionals on board in case mm-hmm. somebody got hurt or anything. But I always just kind of assumed that if somebody did die, that at you know at the port, the next port, 
that they would be rushed to a hospital. But you're right. Like, what if that next port isn't until, you know, days away? You have to do something. Yeah. You got to preserve the the remains. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. A standard cruise ship morgue can hold about six to 10 bodies at a time or about three to six on some smaller vessels. Ships are also required to carry body bags on board, um, you know, in the same way that they would have to have life preservers or emergency evacuation boats. And no, I don't think that cruise ships will just do a burial at sea for you. <laughs> That's not an option. Wait, just throwing your body out yeah, at sea? Yeah, they're not going to just roll you Middle over. Middle of the ocean? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at that, but it's just like, no, please don't ask us. We're not going to throw the body overboard. Well, what if I Jeez. what if I went on a cruise, but then with a little safety pin inside my jacket, I put a little note that said, if something happens to me, just roll me off. Do you think they would do oh, it? Geez. No, and I had it. No. I had an, an affidavit signed by a notary. It's all there. Nope. <laughs> because then, if they were to do it, no matter where they like, even if they did it in a discreet area where there weren't people, like somebody you know on the deck would just be like, "Look at that lifeless body. <laughs> that one girl at dinner yeah. the other night. I'm oh, she, I'm very floaty. <laughs> I'm very buoyant. <laughs> but will they cremate me, Jess? No, no. There are no crematoriums on cruise ships, and bodies cannot be cremated at ah. sea. They just that can't add all that onto a ship. Rats. Well, one ex-cruise ship employee did an AMA on Reddit claiming that their ship had a contingency plan to use a walk-in freezer instead of a, a morgue freezer. I don't know. Like the kitchen walk-in freezer? Yeah. I, I also read about an urban legend among cruise ship employees that claimed ice cream is a secret tell for when a passenger has died on board. And you might be wondering why ice cream? And it's funny because when I first read this, I thought, oh, maybe they're giving people ice cream so that way it distracts them from... The death that happened. Uh -huh. No, but it's if, if servers are giving out extra scoops at dinner, it's because the chefs needed to clear out a freezer to store a body. I think oh that's God. very much an urban legend. I, God, I'm I hope gonna, so. I'm going to call BS on that. Oh, most cruise ships have an operational morgue, even if it's a small one, for emergency situations that's separate from food storage areas. Mm -hmm. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. Because that's weird. And if you find that you get a couple extra scoops of Chunky Monkey after dinner, you probably, like Jessica, were just an, an Operation Rising <laughs> star <laughs> and impressed the crew at a karaoke night. But you do have a very beautiful voice. I want our listeners to oh. know this, that we're joking right now, but you have an exquisite singing voice. She's Thank you. I can't take a compliment. You do. Oh, I'm so awkward right now. I feel so awkward. You do. You do. Okay. Well, back to the serious stuff then. Um, when a passenger dies on a cruise ship, a guest care team member is assigned to help the deceased's family and friends. And they help with the loads of paperwork that's stipulated by the CDC and support with the logistics of repatriating a body home. And repatriating is just a fancy word for bringing someone back to their home country. This help from the guest care team can include working with local authorities, making travel arrangements, and dealing with insurance on the deceased's behalf. They might even help their travel companions with on-land transport or stay with them at port until they return home. There are even some cruises that will offer religious support. One organization called Apostleship of the Sea is a professional association of Catholic maritime ministers and priests that service cruise lines giving mass and communions. Oh, Miss Jessica. <laughs> So thank you for coming to the chapel today. Was that was that was there a priest when you I, when you went to church I'm, on your cruise? I'm not Catholic anymore. At least we have discussed this in depth. Oh, you didn't go to mass on the cruise every day? No. Oh. Do they have I didn't go searching for 
uh, a r- religious area on on board. Oh yeah, do they have? Those? We're not surprised. Okay, trust me. Okay, trust me. <laughs> okay, I mean maybe some do and maybe some don't. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And in the event of a death on board, these uh, religious groups will also provide support to the mourning if uh, if you are religious. So some of these like organizations, they they just kind of that's like their life. They just kind of go on these random cruise ships and hey hey you know someone dies. Yeah, well I think like these. Apostleship of the Sea, especially, it's a, it's an association that they provide. They they have a slate, kind of a roster of ministers that they will provide to be you know servicing these ships. So like, you know, families that go on cruises and they want to attend a mass or go to a chapel or something while they're on at sea, this organization I provides see. ministers. Yes. Like they're they're getting paid to do it. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Okay. I, I, for some reason I thought of it as like one of the, um, what are they called? The, the airline, um, undercover cops. What are they called? The there's sky marshals. That, that's it. Where there's always one riding on every plane. Right. <laughs> so I just, that's what I thought this was. I don't know. I love the idea of there being an undercover <laughs> priest on every cruise ship <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Okay. Oh, father. Neither the consulate nor the cruise line pays for anything related to or covering the cost of bringing a deceased loved one home that's up to the family or insurance. But yes, bringing human remains home can be costly and it can also get very complicated. Mm -hmm. It can get really complicated. And we will talk about why after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of 30 Morbid Minutes is brought to you by BetterHelp. We talk a lot about some very dark and morbid things on this podcast. But when you need to talk about the difficult things in your life, that's where BetterHelp comes in. Yeah, life is full of stress, changes, grief, and lots of twists and turns that may have us struggling to understand or deal with them on our own. I for sure can attest to that. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here to help in those moments of assessing your needs and matching you with a licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp isn't a crisis or self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online, and it's available worldwide. You can also log into your account at any time to send your therapist a message. That means you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to sit in those awkward waiting rooms like traditional therapy. Ah, yes. BetterHelp is designed to facilitate great therapeutic matches and makes it free and easy to change therapists if needed. It's the best way to invest more into your own well-being because, let's be honest, you deserve some inner peace. User reviews have given BetterHelp glowing ratings like, I got more out of my first session in a month than at a traditional therapist office, and my therapist is full of wisdom and listens to what I have to say, making me feel cared about. Hey. I go to therapy. I know, Elise, you've gone to therapy too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I want to feel cared about. Yeah. I 100% support it. And I think all people should go to just, even if there's nothing wrong, just go and just talk. Yeah. And, you know, there's, it's good for you. It's good for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Go to betterhelp.com slash 30mm. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Mm-hmm. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Yes. A special offer for 30 Morbid Minutes listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash 30MM. That's BetterHelp.com slash 30MM. 
So today's episode is also brought to you by Diet Smoke. And if you've ever done edibles, you know that it can be difficult to control the dose. I have gone through this personally. And sometimes you can get a lot higher than you have intended. Mm -hmm. Once you eat it, there's no going back. Trust me, you just got to sit there on your couch, stone out of your mind, waiting for the, I don't, just, just waiting, just, just waiting. (laughs) Yes. Just waiting, which is why you, you know, it's also good to like play with the amount that you're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I need like the perfect medium high, I hit up my friends at Diet Smoke for their delicious Delta 8 THC gummies. Yeah, Delta 8 is simply a slightly less potent THC. So the THC that you're probably most familiar with is Delta 9. And while both are natural to the cannabis plant, Diet Smoke extracts their Delta 8 from hemp. And you might think this is a loophole, but it's kind of the secret recipe to getting a smooth, stable and most importantly, legal high, it's kind of like a body high. Yes, yes. And diet smoke is legal in most states, and it's also non-prescription. I live in Texas, so diet smoke is perfect for me. Uh, So just check out Diet Smoke's website to see if they ship their delicious gummies to your state. And you might be asking yourself, I know Jess is, does diet smoke really get you high? Of course it does. (laughs) 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 The high that you can get with diet smoke is actually best described as somewhere between the chillness of CBD and that classic stone feeling that you get with regular weed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just don't want to be stoned out of my mind. So this is just Mm -hmm. kind of like a nice, ah, even keel. Diet smoke isn't light. It's just right. (laughs) (laughs) Diet smoke does come in in two delicious flavors, blue raspberry and watermelon. I personally like blue raspberry, but hey, it's trying both. I just, I love watermelon in general. So that's the way to go. And and each gummy is infused with 10 milligrams of Delta 8 THC derived from American grown hemp. Also diet smokes, Delta 8 gummies are low in sugar, fat-free and delicious. And did I mention that they're also legal? I think I did. (laughs) So when CBD isn't enough and traditional THC is too much, enjoy the smooth buzz of diet smoke. Use promo code 30MM for 20% off your order. So go to dietsmoke.com and use the promo code 30MM. That's going to get you 20% off your order. Hell yeah. That's dietsmoke.com, promo code 30MM for 20% off. So as I said, it can be really complicated to bring human remains home. And this has a lot to do with two factors. The first being where in the world the death occurs. So Caribbean cruises tend to keep the deceased in the ship morgue until returning to the U.S., where a death certificate can be issued upon arrival. Jess mentioned earlier how important death certificates are. Smaller islands and ports are typically not equipped to handle the repatriation process, and there are ports in the South Pacific, Africa, Asia, and parts of the developing world where they lack the infrastructure needed or will just flat out refuse to even allow human remains to be taken off a ship at port. Therefore, the first serviceable port is where a body will be taken in. From there, deceased are unloaded discreetly from a separate exit than the one passengers use, then taken to a medical examiner's office from where they are issued a death certificate and returned home. But every country handles this process differently, and not all will issue a death certificate required. And the death certificate is vital because only after this is issued can the home country get involved, which is where the second factor comes Mm -hmm. in. And this second factor I actually learned about in university because I took a a law class where we covered maritime law. And this blew my mind at the time. And I still think it's such a strange, it's it's such a strange bureaucratic thing. But yeah, the second factor that can affect how complex reparation of the deceased will be is the flag state of the ship. 
or where the cruise ship is registered. So under longstanding maritime law, ships must be registered to a nation state. However, ships do not actually need to be registered with the country that their ownership is from. So an American made and owned ship can register under the Bahamas flag, for example, and it's called having a flag of convenience. And this is mainly done because one, you know, it's cheaper. And also that way, commercial ships can enjoy relaxed regulations when it comes to safety and employment. So it's sort of skirting around having to, to abide to certain rules. It's so weird that this that this can just happen, though. That, yeah. You know, it, that it's not like properly re- regulated. It's, it's, it's so, so strange. It's I still it I, is. I still think it's so strange. Yeah. This practice first originated with prohibition because U.S. ships couldn't have alcohol aboard. And it continued after the Second World War as trade expanded. Which is really funny to think about because now people smuggle booze onto cruise ships. <laughs> like, oh, uh, you know, whereas yeah. prohibition, I, I know that, you know, some people get those fake sunscreen bottles and stuff and then <laughs> fill them with booze. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am sad to admit that I have a smuggling booze on a cruise ship story. Not Rising Star. Um, nah, oh, it's me, no. Rising Star. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that silly, stupid thing. If you go to YouTube and you type in, you know, how to smuggle booze on a cruise ship, there's a lot of these like wine bottle videos that come up where you uncork them, pour out the wine, and then uh, pour your, you know, alcohol of choice into the wine uh, bottle and then recork it, put the stuff uh, that like the wrapping back on. So me and my partner did that with two different bottles. And uh, we got on, and you have to go through security, you know, to get onto the ship. And uh, everybody, I think, to my knowledge, that you're allowed to bring on two bottles of wine. Um, I want to double check that. Yeah, so I don't think take I've it at heard that before. Yeah. So we brought on two and did did the same to both. And, um, th- you know, these these people, they're not they're not uh, dumb. They they know that this is being done. So, of course, she she takes both bottles and all she does is just turn them upside down. Like they looked great from the outside. Like you couldn't tell the difference. But she turns them upside down, sees all of the bubbles, all of the extra air in there. And she's like, oh, nope, no. sorry. And just throws them away. <laughs> oh, no. And we just we just look at her and we're like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And she's like, good try though. And then that was it. And we we're just like, okay, thank you so much. Bye. Man, Operation so Supernova. Right there. <laughs> you you, you collapsed in on yourself like a dying star. <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. I love space metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, you know, ships, they use the, uh, the celestial bodies to guide them. So it's very apropos. There you go. Moving on, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very <laughs> uncommon to see ships flying a U.S. flag of designation. Surprise, surprise. Virgin, Disney, Carnival, Starbreeze are all among the cruise lines that have ships sailing under flags of convenience. But it's important to note the country that a ship sails under is the country that has jurisdiction over that vessel and what happens on it. Which, again, can add another complicated layer to the repatriation process. It's the big reason why so many ships got stalled and waylaid during the height of the COVID pandemic, trying to deal with extraordinary circumstances with little support from the countries that actually had jurisdiction over Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I think that it created this big log because there was a a global catastrophe. So all these ships were trying to get back to their domestic ports of where they're actually from. And then the flags of convenience that they were sailing under were not doing anything for them because 
obviously, you know, crisis. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, see, this is why they should have, uh, hey, to each their own. Yeah, okay. and a very, like, very real situation where this came back to bite uh, yes. everyone. Uh, so now to the juicier stuff, the true crime sort of stuff. Murders are usually committed by a person that the victim knows, and the majority of cruise ship murders involve arguments that escalate or a previous history of abuse. Guns are not allowed on cruise ships under any circumstances, and as a result, most murders are either stabbings or involve pushing the victim into the ocean. Oh my god. According to cruisejunkie.com, a website run by Canadian sociologist Ross Klein, over 300 people went overboard while on cruises between 1995 and 2019. Some of these incidents were reported as suicides and jumps. However, a third were reported as simply missing, presumed kidnapped, or even murdered by the families of the victims. Mm -hmm. And because there's no law enforcement on cruise ships, there's like security. Um, Again, there's no body like the FAA regulating everything. So arrests and convictions rarely happen. When a crime occurs during a cruise, it will likely be reported to the staff on the ship. And then it goes up the chain to the country where the ship is registered. Again, a problem with the flag of convenience. So these ships sailing under these flags it's all up to the countries of those flags to decide if they'll act. And in many cases they don't because it's, it's not really their ship in a sense. They don't have this connection or maybe it's a totally different law. Like if it's an American ship sailing under a a different flag in the world, they don't have the same kind of law or processes uh, and vice versa. Another reason why I don't understand why they they don't have proper regulation. Yeah. It's like a free-for-all out there. There are lots of people who are championing for there to be regulation. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I would too. If I, honestly, if I had known some of this stuff before I got on to some other cruises, I I don't know if I would have gone on. I'd be like, what? I don't know. That's, that's bonkers to me. In 2005, 25-year-old Ashley Barnett died from a methadone overdose on the Carnival Cruise, despite being staunchly opposed to drug use and having no signs of chronic use. Her family, including her mother, Jamie, still suspect foul play, but Ashley's case remains unsolved. Her mother is one of the founders of their International Cruise Victims Association that seeks to help families find resolutions in situations like Ashley's. Mm-hmm, yeah, so orgs like this are pushing for reform in the cruise world. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also a bit of a trigger warning here. Suicides do also happen on cruise ships. In 2020, an increased number of crew members committed suicide during the coronavirus crisis. Crew members at the time were unable to leave their cruise ships and were facing months at sea, sometimes quarantined to their cabins with no real end in sight. And it's so, so sad and tragic. In May 2020, five crew members committed suicide on board cruise ships and most jump to their deaths and some hang themselves in cabin bathrooms. So like, I mean, that the last two years have been just horrific and the devastation across the board mm-hmm. of COVID-19. And then we get into some of these, the minutia of some of these incidents. And I, I really didn't think about this and how this would affect people on board these ships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are also lots of accidents that happen on board when guests break the rules, enter restricted areas, or simply just have bad luck. Accidents don't just happen at sea, but also when guests are on land excursions. Some common examples of accidental cruise ship deaths include trips or falls, accidents uh, in port, entering restricted areas, drownings in swimming pools on board, 
climbing from a balcony to another balcony, which I don't know why you... Or when you get murdered in the karaoke competition against Operation Rising Star. See? It's me. (laughs) Climbing from balcony to balcony, like, that just doesn't seem... Like, why would you do that? Because... Yeah. So these accidents happen, Jess, Mm -hmm. but is there anything on board to mitigate it? Yes. All cruise ships have doctors and medical facilities, but it is important to get comprehensive travel insurance Mm -hmm. regardless. And you can't rule out the odd catastrophe here and there. Oh, yeah. And I think like the travel insurance is so important because it's not even just like if you get hurt, but if you're an older person and you're traveling with your family and you want to make sure that you can get home okay... If something did happen to you, like, God forbid you died on this ship, you know, you don't want to put that duress and strain on your family. So Mm -hmm. having that that cost covered is really important. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there can be extreme catastrophes that happen, of course. One of the largest losses to life in recent years from an accidental death in port was when the Wakari volcano in New Zealand erupted in 2019. And guests from Royal Caribbean's Ovation of the Seas were visiting the island at the time of the eruption. A reported 47 people were on the island at the time and 19 were killed. And most were passengers from this Royal Caribbean ship. I'm like, yeah, that how so they, so they were just at port when yeah, this happened. Yeah, they were just like, we're going to go visit okay, this volcano yeah. where the ship's docked, uh-huh. going to do some hiking on the volcano and it erupted. Which that's so strange. I feel like we have yeah. scientists that monitor this yeah. stuff constantly. Yeah. So the seismic activity and the you, you think that they're going to know yeah. if this volcano is going to be anywhere near to eruption. It, it's in 2019 or less. It's it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. There are also other catastrophes that can happen, you know, like fires or explosions, your run of the mill operational mishaps. Mm-hmm. And we can't help but mention what cruise ships are doing to the planet for future generations. It's it's weird because it's like it's not a, it's not a this. morbid thing in the traditional sense, but it's a long term morbidity. <laughs> it is. I think a lot of this stuff we're about to cover is just morbid in general. Mm-hmm. You know these these suckers are massive polluters. Air quality on cruise ships are terrible, and they also pump harmful chemicals, bilge water, sulfur dioxide fumes into the ocean. Mm -hmm. There are two types of discharged waters from cruise ships, black water and gray water. And so gray water typically involves laundry detergent, cleaners, food waste, cooking oils, and grease, as well as carcinogens and other pollutants that are just found in the the day-to-day of the ship. God, us humans we are oh awful we're terrible to this damn planet there's a like canadian children's cartoon from the 80s 90s called the smoggies and the whole premise Aww. of that show is that there is this sun loving beautiful planet environment loving group of 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 childlike people called the sun tots that live on this paradise island and then there's this horrible trio of polluters called the smoggies that are on this factory trawler and they just want to pollute Ugh. the world. And I'm like, I'm like, we are kind of like the smoggies. I want to be a sun oh, tot, for, yeah. but I'm kind of like a smoggy. Yeah. Only two people are going to get uh, that reference. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just listening mm-hmm. to it. And I'm like this. Yeah. And that's a children's yeah. show. Yeah. But it, I mean. That's good. Hey. Educate them yeah. young. Mm-hmm. The other type of water discharged from cruise ships is uh, black water or sewage waste. Uh, can you, can you guess what that is? Yeah. It contains. Mm-hmm. Fecal coliforms, mm-hmm. ammonia, chlor- yep, chlorine, peep, 
Yep. And may contain a variety of toxic pollutants such as pharmaceuticals, heavy metals and hydrocarbons. Canada recently implemented a stricter set of new regulations designed to help protect our beautiful country's shores, which is kind of good timing because all these cruise ships are returning after a two year pause in operations. And so these Mm -hmm. new regulations are going into effect as all these ships are headed out and going to be doing some polluting. Mm hmm. But there's a lot that has to be done worldwide to preserve our planet against this extreme polluting Mm -hmm. force. Preach it. We can't end the episode without mentioning the type of catastrophic event that's probably been burning in the back of your brain this entire time, and that is the rare cruise ship sinking. Yes, it can happen. And uh, but the Titanic? (laughs) It's not Titanic, Jeff. It's not Titanic. Uh, Between 1980 and 2012, about 16 cruise ships sunk, and. The last time this happened was in 2012, and it was a doozy. You might be familiar with this incident. It was the sinking of the Costa Concordia, an Italian cruise ship that struck an underwater rock and capsized when their captain, just spur of the moment, decided he was going to take an alternate route than what was decided on before sailing. And 34 people died, and there was a massive manslaughter trial condemning the captain and several top officers after this happened. I have a question. This will hopefully lead into our, our friends over at the podcast. Um, why did this uh, captain take this alternative route at the last minute? Well, our friends over at the podcast, Chip Hits the Fan, will explain this. And I think from talking with them, this it was really a like peacocking situation where the captain was trying to impress his mistress or something. And the, the oh ego yeah, ego and wow. uh, so yeah our Hubris. our friends over at Chip Hits the Fan podcast they did an episode all on the Costa Concordia and I sat down and had a little chat with one of the hosts and my pal Patrick Brown who he told me a little bit about the show and then cryptically hinted at <laughs> the Costa Concordia if you like thirty morbid minutes I guarantee this podcast is right up your alley and uh, so take it away Elise and Patrick. I'm here with Patrick from Ship Hits the Fan. Hey, Patrick. Hello. Jess and I just talked all about death on cruise ships, Mm -hmm. which is a subject very near and dear to your heart. (laughs) I love it. I love nothing more. (laughs) In your realm of expertise, because Uh you and Charlotte McGrath and Brian Gar do a podcast about ship wrecks and disasters, correct? (laughs) That's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. (laughs) Tell us, tell me about it. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Ship Hits the Fan, and it we covered a cruise ship. We covered the uh, Costa Concordia recently. Okay, and that is the one that happened where the captain abandoned the ship, correct? We always, like, cover whether or not the captain went down with the ship, and sometimes they do, and it's it's cool. Sometimes they don't, but it's like, yeah, of course, you know, they're fine. And then this guy was like, oh, he, he really abandoned the ship because... It was his fault entirely. He was trying to impress his mistress. Oh, yeah. And so he drove, <laughs> he drove, or drove, he like sailed way too close to shore to impress his mistress, crashed the ship, and then was just like, well, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to head out. We've all been there. Of course. Jess and I don't talk about anything to do with impressing your paramour in this episode. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating to me is how long some of these cruises can be these cruises that are like three months long. And so there's a higher odds that something's going to happen. Someone's going to die. There's going to be some kind of accident. Because the people who are cruising are 94, 95, 96. Also, I imagine like you're going on a cruise ship 
I, I know they have gyms <laughs> and like, but like you're eating cruise food, which I imagine even, even on like a nice cruise is probably not healthy food. No. Like you're not living a healthy lifestyle on a cruise. So it's like, you're already, you know, in your maybe twilight years and all of a sudden you're just at sea for three months yeah. in, in what is essentially like a, a box of disease. Yes. Con- consolidated uh, if, if disease. If COVID has taught us anything, that disease spreads rapidly through ships. Oh, and is that something that you cover on Ship Hits the No, Land? no, no. Not no. yet? We're not unless, if a ship doesn't go down, we ain't covering it. Whoa. That's actually probably not true. I thought our podcast was morbid, but Ship Hits. <sighs> There's some, yeah. Goes there. Yeah, it's grim. Some of them are grim. We try to th- pepper in some like more lighthearted, you know, zero death episodes uh-huh. here and there, but uh-huh. yeah. Well, as I was working on this episode, I could not help but think of you and Charlotte mm-hmm. because I know this is a passion <laughs> passion topic for you both. There's something, what ha- wait, so what happens when someone dies on a cruise ship and the cruise ship, and it's not because the cruise ship sunk. There's a morgue on the cruise ship. We talked, we just talked like about freezer? it. a There's just like a freezer on the ship? Yeah, we just talked about it in this whole episode. I'm sure. So I'm kind yeah. of reiterating some of That's it. That's yeah. But yeah, there's, most sizable cruise ships have a morgue that can hold six to ten bodies in it. That's it? <laughs> what, what happens if, <laughs> what happens if there's like a mass death? Like Ebola. What? Uh, just overboard. Uh, uh, hey, everyone, listen to Ship Hits the Fan. You're Thank Your you. shipwreck podcast for the masses. And you already listened to 30 Morbid Minutes, so I guess you don't need a plug for that, right? No, th- and this is the podcast. But I guess I could... The, I could. You could. I, I mean, could say, like, I give it my stamp of approval. That means the world to me. And then we just watch the numbers skyrocket. <laughs> well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you. And everyone, go listen to Ship Hits the Fan. It is... Our sister show? It's a, it's a friend of the yeah, show. Yeah, it's a, like a cousin at the very cousin least. Cousin of the show, yeah. and we love it, so... Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that at least had some very interesting points there, Jessica. Don't wouldn't you agree, Patrick? Too. <laughs> she had some fantastic points. I I love this podcast. Oh, it's um, a blast. It's 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 great. And Charlotte and Patrick are fantastic. Brian Gar, they're hilarious. And for and Brian, yes. Uh, and they're extremely informative too. So go listen hey, to it. Yes, ship hits the fan, and uh, that's that's our show for this week. Yeah, we got a little silly. When you said I love this podcast just now, I at first thought you were talking about our podcast, <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah, said, but yeah, me too. I do just sitting in here in our podcast, just saying I love this. But po- I really do love this podcast, though. I do too. I am learning so much. I get to go back to all my friends and just spout out knowledge to them. Look at me. Have I you? Am- because I found that I've been doing that. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Just conversationally, just yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you hear about this? Do you know about this? Well, it's weird and sad and morbid. <laughs> I will say one of the coolest, most heartwarming things too is I have friends that have been listening to the podcast and will same message me and say this this thing that you guys talked about. I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. sweet. The thing, one of the episodes that really stuck with me was the sleep paralysis episode, because I feel like a lot of people came out and they're like, oh, I actually deal with this. It was terrifying and awful. And I'm glad it's been put on like a larger platform being talked about. And we're all in this together, everybody. Yeah, it's so. definitely a thing that the average person could experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like death, you know, our death row episode, probably not going to directly affect as many people, but sleep paralysis 
a Patrick of Ship Hits the Fan, he gets sleep paralysis. See, there you go. But even the Death Row episode, like, it's just, it's so fascinating to learn about those things. And it's also just good to be informed in general about, you know, some of these topics, um, which I'm realizing is super great and beneficial. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things about this show that we set out to do was not to be salacious. Obviously, all of the subject matter is morbid, but we didn't want it to feel like we are the TMZ of morbidity. We wanted. No, no, it's what I like about all these topics is you learn a lot about life Mm -hmm. when you think about death Mm -hmm. and you gain empathy and perspective. And I think I hope that's what we are achieving with this show. Let us know if we're not, though. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, know, tweet at Operation Rising Star. Um, No, I don't know. Somebody probably has that. I kind of hope, I really hope that like there's some fan art that comes out of that. Is that insensitive to be like Operation Rising Star? (laughs) No. that means someone died on a ship? I do want to see that. I want to see you, (laughs) you singing karaoke. Me as the little captain's, my little captain's hat, um, (laughs) surrounded by old people. And there are two wine bottles with and a a suspicious amount of bubbles in them. (laughs) Um, Maybe a little too many bubbles. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to and reviewing the show, making fan art. This is all the stuff that makes us able to continue doing the show, the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our sponsors. And yeah, you guys at this point, hopefully, you know that you can come tweet at us. Let us know some other topics you want us to cover. Um, somebody tweeted us the other day to talk about urban legends. Super fun. Which rewatched that movie recently. What a snooze. Ooh, what a snooze fest. Sorry. Um, but you know our socials. If you don't, they're at Jessica Vasami, at Elise Willems, and then at 30 Morbid Minutes. Um, do we want to plug our um, kind of our new stuff? The, Hell the yeah, reels we into- do. You go for it. Go for we it. We got TikToks. <laughs> we got the <laughs> That's TikTok. It. That's it. We have TikTok. <laughs> I, also, I also thought that you were saying you were going to say our T-shirts and decals, which is why I jumped on that so quickly. To yes. say, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we have really, really cute t-shirts, which yep. I absolutely love. And if They're you like, adorable. yeah, if you like a little bit of goth chic mm. cuteness. You can dress it up, dress it down. Mm-hmm. You can wear it to bed if you want to. I don't, I don't care. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's, that's it for this week. I don't think I'll be hitting the high C anytime soon. Oh, Unless it's no. the high C, the drink, which. I don't know that drink. What is it? <laughs> Oh, I think it's like a children's juice. (laughs) But yes, I will be drinking it. Yummy. Bring me some too. 